Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Hi everybody, it's Pastor Dave and Cecilia. Great to be back with you here in room 4216, both all of you out there and with you too, Cecilia. It's good to be back with you, Pastor yeah. Dave. How are the chigger bites doing? Oh, they're gone. Oh, good. And how is the hip doing? It, the stretching I did kind of took care of that so that I'm in no discomfort whatsoever today. I'm doing great. Oh, good. So... Are you ready to have me talk sensibly to you? Well, sure, if you have any sense to talk sensibly. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I I have to tell you that mm-hmm. I'm still a little bit disgruntled over the, uh, the one part that we did last week where... Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph finds his brothers, and they throw him into the cistern, and they say, let's kill him, and Reuben says, no, don't kill him, and then Reuben goes away, and the brothers say, ooh, we can sell him into slavery instead, and Reuben says, what? Then they have to go back to his father with the torn robe, and his father's not happy. Sounds like you got the story really well. What are you disgruntled about? I mean, you just totally did chapter 37. You did a great job there. Well, thank you, but but that's not the whole point. I mean, the whole whole point point. is is nothing was said about the story except that that you summarized it. I mean, when, when I used to listen to these Bible stories as a kid... They were made so interesting and so... Um, so what do you want me to do? Tell you the cistern is an empty uh, uh, hole in the ground that when water comes, it fills up so they have water in the desert and they put a stone over the top of it, but it happened to be that there's no water there. So when they threw him in, he could go, hello, hello, and he was there, kept safe, but he couldn't climb out. I mean, there's only so much you can say about certain things. Well, that would have been interesting. And I mean, it it, it definitely helps to enhance the the story you know uh lots of us like to know about things like cisterns i mean for instance the cistern is kind of like the wells that were dug in well, well okay just a second now okay you, you're getting so tied up in the little things i think you might be missing the big story then I'm, i just summarized the big story no 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 this is this is a part of the big story going all the way to chapter 50 it's kind of like food you know, um, not every meal can be, oh, the the chef's cuisine that's, the flavors so mix and mingle. And, oh, you mean and like the just, steak and baked potato oh, and salad? Oh, it's great. And, I mean, sometimes you just eat like breakfast to get food in you so you can get going in the morning. Food has two aspects. Yes, there is that great flavor, but then sometimes it's just to get energy to go. So we want to get through this whole book. That's the whole goal, is to get through the whole book. No, no, we want to get to the end of the story. But here's another aspect, and this might be part of it too, is uh, it isn't just about knowledge. We're not here just about giving people information of what a cistern is and what clothes he wore and things like that. This is the Word of God, and, and because of that, it needs to work within you. If we were just giving knowledge, then it's just a matter of, 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 of amassing as much as you can. 
But when it's the word of God, it helps us to grow. And that means then as we grow, we are using it. So really, room 4216 is a place we gather, we talk, we share. But then you and me and all the listeners, we need to go out there and live it. That it be part of us as well, not just knowledge. So how can I do this? How can I grow this? How can I live this? How can I put this into action so that I can be wise and and be the perfect servant? And I will answer that later. Now, Cecilia, I did think you made a good point just a moment ago that sometimes we move too quickly. I think we did that. He's saying I was right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did move too fast on Chapter 39. I like to think it was because we were running out of time last (laughs) week. At least that's my story. I'm sticking to that Mm -hmm. one. But let's pick up with that. 39, Joseph, sold into slavery, was a righteous man, did good, is brought up uh, in Potiphar's house. Everything was given to him, but then Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, but he said no. And for doing good, what did he get? Thrown in the dungeon. Here is a connection that we can make to us as Christians. I would like you to read chap- uh, from First Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. This is the beginning of the connection for us today. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure, this is commendable before God. Yeah, you can see the parallel here to Joseph. But now it parallels to Jesus. Let's read on. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We note here that Jesus suffered in the very same way. Read on. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. We always think about that last phrase, and it's a beautiful one. By his wounds you have been healed. But do notice what is said. He entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And he got unjust judgment when he died on the cross. But that's the amazing thing. God worked it for good, but it didn't happen right away. It happened on Easter for Jesus. And it happens for us as well. Sometimes not right away. 
And now we're moving back to the story of Joseph. He also saw good coming from God. God worked it for good, but it wouldn't be right away. I think I get it. Get what? Pastor Dave, I think I get it now. What, what? What's that? Well, we just had lunch. Yeah. And uh, lunch was soup. Yeah. And it was good soup, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then you said, we need something else with this meal. I did, yeah. I just wasn't, wasn't enough. I just needed something more than just soup. Yeah. And you went digging in your hidden stash. Mm. <laughs> I need to start looking for those hidden stashes. Uh-uh. And you brought out this box. And then there was the rattle of this paper. And I know the rattle of that kind of paper just about anywhere. Rice crispy Treats. That's right. Yum. I am a sucker for Rice crispy Treats. And so it was taste. It was delicious. And that's what we were talking about earlier, about the Word of God, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Sometimes the Word of God is just there to sustain us and and keep us going, give us energy. And sometimes... Sometimes it's the good stuff. And so now we're back to Joseph... Thrown into prison because he did something good. Yeah. And uh, a little bit later, two people were put in prison and Joseph was assigned to attend them. It was the chief cupbearer, that's the guy that gives Pharaoh his drinks. Oh boy. And the chief baker. I bet he gave him his delights in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were both pretty upset one day. Joseph said, what's the matter? And they said, oh. We both had dreams, and we don't understand them. Joseph said, well, tell me what you dreamed. So the cupbearer said, well, I dreamed that there were three branches, and on the branches there were these three buds, and they blossomed, and they became these beautiful grapes. And I had Pharaoh's cup in my hand, and so I took the grapes, and I squeezed them into the cup, Hmm. and I gave the cup to Pharaoh again. He drank it. And Joseph said, the three branches are three days. This dream means that in three days, Pharaoh will call for you and he'll want you to be his servant, his cupbearer again. Hmm. But when that happens, please, don't forget about me, because I've been stuck here for quite a while now. Seems like Pharaoh had a problem in the palace and... Maybe someone was trying to kill him, and so he put the cupbearer and baker, wondering which one may be killed, and doing research, and well, that's where they're waiting, and Joseph interpreted the dream. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> Hadn't okay. thought of that. Yeah. Well, the baker saw that uh, Joseph had interpreted the dreams mm-hmm. of the, the cupbearer. He said, yeah, I had a dream too. I dreamed that there were three baskets of bread on my head, and... Being on the head, that was a common way that they carried things, was it not, back then? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the top basket, there were all these yummy cakes and baked goods. And I was going to give them to Pharaoh, but the birds kept eating them. Mm. 
Joseph said to the baker, in three days you will be hanged and the birds will eat your flesh. Hmm. Well, the three days went past and it was Pharaoh's birthday and he had a celebration and he called for his two officials, the baker and the cupbearer, and the cupbearer was put back into his position again. He was allowed to bring Pharaoh his drinks and such. But the baker was hanged. So the dreams came true. Yes, they did. And Joseph spoke clearly what they meant. But the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Ew. So what do you make of chapter 40 in this story, Pastor Dave? Well, I I certainly can see how it relates to people with disabilities. They'd be like Joseph, stuck there again, and and forgotten, overlooked by somebody again as they go on their merry way. So it's a naughty-naughty healthy person for not remembering. No, no, no. That's not the way I see it at all. Okay. How do you see it? Okay. I'm a blind person, and I have a friend who is sighted who helps me with mm, different kinds of errands and whatever, groceries and getting Mm -hmm. my cats to the vet and all that. Okay. What do I do? I forget that it takes gas and car repair money to run that car, so I don't offer any gas money at all. I don't offer to treat them to lunch or grab something that they need at the grocery store. I've learned that My friend may be fine and healthy, but they are hurting and in need, too. Hmm. And here's your answer, Cecilia, that you asked, and I said I would answer later on. How can I grow this, live this, put this in action, meaning the Word of God, so it's not just knowledge? Here's your answer. By using it, just as you exercise a muscle, so we need to exercise our lives in service to others. How? Look around. Find a way. Now moving into chapter 41, Mm -hmm. two years go by. Two whole years, Mm -hmm. Joseph is in prison. We don't know what happened. But one night, Pharaoh has two dreams. And uh, he's not happy. His mind is pretty troubled. So he calls for all the magicians and, and wise men of Egypt, and he tells them about the dreams, and they can't tell him what's going on. Hmm. Uh, But then the cupbearer says to Pharaoh, today I remember my shortcomings. Uh, Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream, and the meaning was not clear. 
Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Joseph was quickly brought before Pharaoh. When he had changed his clothes and shaved, he came before him, and Pharaoh said, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek. They grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. Even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. And then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians and wise men, but no one could interpret it for me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he plans to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean Ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine 
that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. Wow, those are some pretty strong, bold words of Joseph. I mean, he just came up from prison, just barely cleaned up and stands in front of Pharaoh, the mighty one of Egypt, and he says all of this to him? Hoofta. Yeah, but uh, what does Joseph have to lose? Well, he could lose his life. Yeah, like that's been worth much in these past two years. Mm, yeah, yeah, good point. Hmm. Well, what comes next? And now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. The story of Joseph isn't over, but it sure does have us pause for a moment just to look at what has happened so far. From a little boy who had dreams and a beautiful coat and had them all stripped away, thrown into slavery, not just once, but then for being good, thrown back into prison, 
brought up through the ranks, not by his work, but by God's work, all the way to have himself put in robes and a ring and chains around his neck. That reminds me of what really is our plot. Our plot. What is that the right word? Plot in life? Our our part in life. Part in life. Thank you. Sometimes I just... Our part in life is spiritually. We think we're something, but when we really come to realize it, we're just slaves. We're in prison. But Jesus is the one by his taking our penalty, sets us free. And he wraps around us robes of royalty and a ring and chains so that we are called sons of God. And I'm not just saying this because there are verses in the New Testament that even refer to this. Yeah. Some of my favorites are First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, thank you, Lord. It really is a a beautiful picture of what God has done for us. If you have any thoughts on today's uh, lesson, uh, do write us. You can do so at Info, I-N-F-O, at not-alone, dot, dot, net, N-E-T. And remember, we are are not alone. Do come back again to room 4216. Credits. Our sincere thanks go to Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn for their interlude music.